Please pray with me. Lord of this good day and of all our days, open our hearts to your presence in our midst. Today, may we see your reign among us, your kingdom come. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So here we are, Revelation, that intimidating final book of the Bible, which I will confess to you I tend to avoid when choosing my preaching texts. I was a little dismayed when I realized that the original worship plan had this text as the final focus for the fall series made well. And as today is the date that Pastor Nate asked me to preach, I would be preaching on it. Like Martin Luther, I feel a bit wary of this book. And like many of you, I suspect I struggle to understand this bizarre collection of frightening visions, of multi-headed, many-eyed monsters, galloping horsemen upending bowls of destruction upon the earth, languishing harlots, falling stars, pursuing dragons. It's all in there. We call this book Revelation, but it is also called the Apocalypse of John. Calypso is a Greek word meaning to cover or veil or conceal something. So apocalypsis is the Greek word that simply means to uncover, to lift the veil, to reveal something which had previously been hidden or unseen. Hence the common English title for this book is Revelation, the Revealing. This book is part of the genre of literature called apocalyptic, which is not primarily, as some people think, about predictions of things yet to come or about the end of the world, but rather uses intensely poetic language, the language of dreams, not to frighten us into submission, but to help us see the veil between the ordinary and the sacred flutter wide for a moment so that we might catch a glimpse of the divine possibilities that are already at play in the here and now. Of course, this is not always easy to see. So let's take a closer look at this text in Revelation and its context to see what sacred possibilities John is dreaming of. For this is a dream. It is a dream of a new heaven and a new earth, a dream of a heavenly city, a place built on foundations which bear the names of God's people. This gleaming city knows no darkness, for everything is illuminated by the light of Christ and the glory of God. This is a radically inclusive city where the gates are always open wide to greet everyone as all humanity streams in from every nation, Jews and Greeks and Chinese and Sudanese and Iranians and Syrians and Guatemalans and Mexicans from every nation. No one is excluded. It is a global community where the water of life flows through the middle of the city and all are made whole by partaking of the tree of life. There is no falsehood and no enmity, no illness, no pain, no suffering, no COVID, no death. And God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. No temple is necessary in this city because God is present in the midst of the everyday. 
God lives in the hearts of every man, woman, and child. It's a beautiful dream, isn't it? And this dream is not unique to Revelation. We don't have to wait to the end of the story to discover it. It's right there throughout the scriptures from the very beginning when the law of Moses spelled out a system of justice designed to care for the widow and the orphan and to embrace the foreigner. It's there in the prophets of the Old Testament who painted a picture of a time when the lion would lie down with the lamb, when the law of God would be written on every heart, when justice would flow down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It's there in the Gospels as Jesus makes the lame to walk and the blind to see and sets the oppressed free. It's there in the exhortations of Paul, that there be no longer Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female. And if he were writing today, perhaps he would say, no Republican, no Democrat, but oneness in Christ, unity in the spirit of God's love. This is the dream from beginning to end of a global community of God's beloved children, an amazing revelation of an alternative way of being, of the reality of Christ present in the middle of the everyday marketplace, of the truth of God written on the hearts of men and women everywhere. It is the dream of heaven, not as a remote reality up in the clouds someday, but a heaven here and now, a lived experience of heaven on earth. And haven't we all been dreaming that dream lately? Haven't you? I have. But these days, this weird 2020 year has offered us a very different reality, hasn't it? This year has often seemed more like a nightmare than a dream, with a strange new virus galloping around the world, creating havoc and disrupting our lives like nothing in living memory has before. Businesses and educational institutions struggle to understand how to respond and adapt to an unknown future. The economic situation is daunting, to say the least. Our politics in this election year have been hostile and divisive. Protesters have faced off against national troops in ways that seemed to threaten the very fabric of our democracy. And the mask has been ripped off the systemic racism that has plagued this country from its very beginning. This is our 2020 vision. And yet, and yet, God still holds out to us this dream, this vision of a new heaven here on earth, this promise, behold, I make all things new, is humming even now, a soft refrain whispering just beneath the chaos. I swear you can hear it if you can be still enough, long enough to listen. Behold, I am making all things new. Now, if those words sound a little bit Pollyanna-ish to you, if they sound like they are out of touch with our lived reality, then consider when they were first written. In the first century, 
in the midst of terrible persecution of Christians, when those who would not bow down and worship the emperor would be quite literally thrown to the lions. It was a precarious time, uncertain, with absolutely no guarantees of safety or security or peace or justice for anyone back then. And yet into this time, these words come, behold, I am making all things new. I am reminded that those were the words that we had printed on the t-shirts we wore way back in 2005 and six and seven and eight, when the church I served sent team after team after team down to Louisiana to help folks rebuild after Hurricane Katrina. Maybe some of you went too. Behold, I am making all things new, were the words we brought as a promise to the people who had lost everything they owned, whose lives had literally been swept away by the devastating floodwaters of life, the raging winds and waves of a force beyond anyone's control. People who could see no future, who did not know how to hope, Behold, I am making all things new. And indeed, out of that devastation, which spread as far as the eye could see in every direction, newness arose, new life emerged, new homes, new communities, new schools, not perfect ones, not by a long shot, but ones I am sure were calibrated on a new value system that recognized the fleeting nature of our material stuff, that knew the vital importance of relationships, community, human life, love. Behold, I am making all things new. So now I wonder, don't you wonder? What newness is being born today? while our whole society, our whole world is being recalibrated. We are learning how deeply connected we really are to one another across the globe, how what happens in China impacts us and what we do affects them. Our well-being is intimately interconnected and interdependent. We are indeed one a global community, and that can no longer be denied. Behold, I am making all things new. We are learning that human health and the health of our planet go together. That maybe we move too fast. We drive and fly way too much. And perhaps even when this is all over, we, if we work from home at least a few days a week, we can have a huge impact on our environment. Behold, I am making all things new. We are learning that we can get by with much less than we're used to. We are recognizing that a burgeoning economy may not matter if it comes at the cost of human life. Maybe this crisis has woken us up to the beauty of simplifying our lives, of focusing on what really matters, of spending quality time with those we love, of the importance of human touch, of getting outdoors to enjoy the creation, of cooking and eating together as a family, of playing games with your kids, 
of checking in on your elderly parents or your friends you haven't talked to in a while. Behold, I am making all things new. We are learning that we cannot live without relationships, that we deeply need each other. We are learning that kindness counts, that our words matter, and that individual rights are not more important than communal well-being. We are learning that the most vulnerable among us need our protection and our care and that we can no longer pretend we do not see the gross injustice of inequality and racism that dehumanizes every single one of us. In these strange days of 2020, what are you learning? What discoveries have you made? In what ways can you feel an invitation, a holy undertow, that is pulling you into new ways of seeing and being? In what ways are you being drawn to simplify, to reconcile, to stand up for justice, to reach out to those you disagree with, to speak words of peace and love and hope, to craft community in unique and creative ways? Behold, behold, I am making all things new. That is the promise. It is God's promise. It is there from the very beginning to the very end of the Bible. And as Christians, we know it is always with us. It is here before us now. And the challenge for us is not to miss it, but to listen for it, to keep our hearts open wide enough to see it, to recognize all the ways that God is inviting you, God is inviting me, to participate in that new heaven unfolding even now here on earth. Behold, behold, I am making all things new. And may we, each one of us, in all the ways that we are able, say, let it be so, O Lord, and so let it be. Amen. <laughs>